I never thought it would be this hard to put on the microphone and just talk to people out there about pinball. But as a new dad, and as someone right now who has no daycare, I have no let up on my work schedule. We have no family help. It has been really, really taxing this December just trying to get the headset on to talk pinball. But here I am. And I'm trying to do this early in the morning because I don't have any free space or free time anymore. But let's talk about pinball. Let's talk about what's going on in the pinball world. And it's a little bit of a lull, right? This December time period, as we're waiting for Rush Pinball to be revealed, there's not much happening. Now, in years past, Kaneda might have drummed up his own drama. But for the most part, everything I talk about on this show is me reacting to what is going on in the pinball world. And so, as I see stuff like Haggis Pinball's latest update on Fathom Pinball, am I allowed to react to it and tell you my point of view on it? Or am I supposed to say, you know what? They're gonna get those games out and, you know, just cheerlead them through the holiday season. Well, it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of both. I do wanna start with Haggis Pinball. I'll also tell you why I sold my Godzilla LE. And we'll talk about why I think Jersey Jack Pinball needs to figure something out. Because we need more than one game a year from JJP, okay? And we'll talk about the Stern rumors a little bit. And that's what we're going to do on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. So let's talk about Haggis. Let's talk about history repeating itself. Let's talk about how we've seen this movie before. Now what I want to talk about, I want to zoom out a little bit and talk about this a little bit from a philosophical level. On why is it in the pinball world, we sometimes like to think that this time it will be different. This time the result will be different even though everything we're seeing to date seems very familiar and we've seen it before. And you can go down the checklist of what we're seeing happening right now. You take pre-order money. You tell people their games are going to go into production on a certain date. So you take their money and you promise a date. Then you miss that date. Then you come up with excuses why you missed that date. Then you come up with a new date. And all throughout this period, you're usually making videos from the factory in which we never see any workers on the lines making games. Why is that? Why is it every time these pinball beauty companies who release videos to convince us everything is fine, right? Everything is fine. Everything is going according to our new schedule because we missed the five previous schedules. Everything is fine. And here I am, pinball manufacturer, wealthy businessman who decided to go into pinball manufacturing. And there's nobody here. I'm at my company and nobody's here except for the guy maybe running the camera. But who even knows if there's someone behind the camera? You know, so we've seen it before, right? Every time they make these videos that everything is going fine, for some reason, it just seems really hard to do it as people are actually there screwing games together. And my only conclusion is this. I think they don't want you to see what it's like every day inside these places because I think they don't want you to see that there's not a lot going on, that there's not a lot of people there at any one time. Right? We don't even see many videos from Jersey Jack Pinball these days. Right? Where is the videos? Whenever you walk through the doors at Stern Pinball, it's nothing but activity. What about the doors over at American Pinball? What's happening there today? I don't know. Part of me would like to see 
what is happening on the assembly lines of each company, right? It's not just Haggis, it's everybody. Because ultimately, the greatest sign of a pinball company being healthy, a pinball company being efficient, a pinball company being effective, always boils down to the manufacturing line, right? To the assembly line at the factory. And we all know, and history has shown us this, and this is just common sense, right? When I say history repeating itself with Haggis Pinball, that every single day, there is not stuff on the line. You are losing money because there's no way to make money, right? No new money is coming in, but every day money is going out to employees, to parts suppliers, to the landlord of the building. So every day you're not getting new orders and taking new money in and nothing is happening on the line. You're losing money. So then how many days can you go before the money runs out. Now, the problem with pinball, and, and this is another part of pinball history, is we've also learned that for some companies, the money may never run out. If you're Jersey Jack Pinball and you're backed by the Abbas family, the money's not gonna run out. Even if Jersey Jack Pinball is losing millions of dollars, that's simply a write-off for a family that's got multiple business making multiple millions of dollars who have billions of dollars in net worth. So it's not gonna run out ever. Stern Pinball will never run out of money because Stern Pinball is efficient. Spooky Pinball will never run out of money because Spooky Pinball has the rent of $1 in Benton, Wisconsin. It costs Charlie next to nothing to have his pinball manufacturing operation there. And that's great for him. It was a great decision. It's also hurting Spooky Pinball because they can't get any talent to move there. And then you got American Pinball, who's clearly being financed, not by the success of their first three titles because their first three titles were not successful. American Pinball is being financed by Aimtron, which is the parent company that makes all the money and has all like the big contracts. And I think some of the new people that came over there, maybe it was Rob Burke, maybe it was David Fix. I think they've invested some capital too in the operation. But that money, I think, here's the thing. If any company I think is in jeopardy of saying, you know what, we're done, is probably American Pinball because I think there will come a point where Mukesh will just get tired of losing that money because I don't think he strikes me as the kind of man who goes into a business operation that loses money. He's not in this for the passion of pinball. He wants to make money. He was sold that this is an industry that can make money and he wasn't misled. You can make a lot of money in pinball. The problem with Mukesh and Duvall and all the guys who started American Pinball is they just made three mediocre games that not many people wanted. And the biggest problem was they made October Fest. That really needed to be a hit. And they also have not learned a lesson that you do need licensed games if you want to sell a lot of titles. And I think they're going to be in for a rude awakening in 2022 when they have another unlicensed game and they're wondering why they can't sell thousands of units because you best believe when the supply chain issues get better and people aren't starving for games, they are going to run to the licensed games over at Jersey Jack Pinball over at Stern Pinball, and they're gonna buy games based on themes that speak to them. And you know this is gonna happen. I mean, they got very, very lucky with Legends of Valhalla coming out when there's no inventory anywhere. So let's go back to Haggis Pinball. So Damien puts up another video saying the following, that they're making more Celts, and then Fathom production is going to start in January. There's a big question mark here for me. Why are you making more Celts when you said Fathom was gonna be produced in July? If you have the ability to get parts 
and to make games, why are you making more Celts? Why aren't you making the game that is the bigger ticket item that more people want? Like, why aren't you doing that? And why are you selling more Celts and making more Celts right now? So this is the part where I start to get a little nervous. And we've seen this before, too, with these pinball companies. You start to take more money on game A after you announced game B. Now, are you taking any of that money from game B to make game A? Think about it for a minute. You're telling me that they're taking no money from those fathom orders to put towards salaries and rent and all the learning and the manufacturing stuff they have to ramp up. None of that money, none of that money from fathom is going to go towards that. Then where does all that money come from? It didn't come from Celt sales because there aren't that many people who are getting Celts in the United States are getting like numbers 30, 35. They didn't sell hundreds of Celts. So where does that money come from, right? Is it personally financed by Damien? It's no pre-order money? Who knows, right? But history has shown us. Again, this is not haggis. This is me looking at the pinball historical landscape. Every time we've seen a boutique company do this, it usually leads to something that's not good. It usually leads to more money is being burnt than is coming in the door. Isn't that just the very fundamentals of business? More money needs to come in than goes out. If it doesn't, aren't you upside down on your balance sheet? How do you then recover? How do you make up for that lost ground? See, that's the problem all of these pinball companies face is I think people run into this with enthusiasm. They say, we can do this. And then as they're doing it, they actually realize how hard it is to actually make a pinball machine. They start to realize that Stern Pinball has 50 years of experience, 50 years of experience. Stern makes it look easy. And so I think they go into this and they say, hey, we can do this. We can screw a game together in our garage. We can make 10 Celts. And, and then we can say, we'll take orders for 500. And, you know, when you go from 10 to 500, your headaches go from 10 to 500. It's not as easy as it looks because once you take a lot of orders and you have to fulfill a lot of orders, the game gets a lot more challenging. Every delay gets amplified 10 times when you have to make a lot more games. I mean, look over at Jersey Jack Pinball. They're not more efficient nowadays than they were back in New Jersey. They sold more Guns N' Roses in one year than I think any game they've ever sold in one year. But it's clearly been very, very hard for them to ramp up production, to get games out the door. How many Guns N' Roses machines do you think they're making a week? Why is that a trade secret? Let me ask you a question. Why would that be a trade secret? How many games a week Jersey Jack Pinball makes? Shouldn't you know that as a customer? I mean, automotive companies tell you how many cars they can make. Video game companies will tell you how many consoles they're going to be able to supply this holiday season. Why is it some sort of manufacturing mystery? And they all keep it a secret, right? It is not official anywhere. Like, it's not official at Stern. It's not official at Jersey Jack. And the reason why they keep it a secret is very simple. We both know this. It's not because anybody has a true competitive advantage with how many games they're cranking out. The reason they keep it a secret is they don't want you to delay ordering from them because they don't want you to know the truth about how long you're actually going to be waiting for your game. So how long do we think people are going to be waiting for Fathom? Do we think that Fathom production and a game will ship by the end of January? I'm here to tell you right now that Canada is betting 
that we will not see Fathoms ship by the end of January. If they do ship by the end of January, what will Canada do? I'll do this. If Damien is successful in shipping Fathom by the end of January, here's what I will do. I will promise that the only game Canada plays at TPF, I will not be allowed to play anything else. The only game I will play at TPF is Celts. I will have to spend three days playing Celts. I think that's a good repercussion for losing a bet. So I will spend three days in a row playing Celts at TPF if he's able to get Fathoms shipped to customers by the end of January. So let's see what happens. You know, I would say that by now we've learned a lesson, right? By now we all would have learned a lesson that you shouldn't pre-order anything. That pre-ordering pinball is not the way to go. And I think people are learning that lesson once again with Haggis. I think everyone's learning that lesson with Spooky Pinball because with Spooky, it's not whether or not you're going to get your game. It's whether or not the game is going to be any good. And every time I go into the Spooky thread, I just want to give Luke some advice because I see Luke in there every day. And I mean this, Luke, when I say it. Transparency is good up to a point. And you are now becoming too transparent and you're now saying too much stuff that you shouldn't be saying. He said something in the thread the other day that when I saw it as a marketer and as a professional and as someone who guides multi-billion dollar businesses on their communication strategies, it just made me cringe. He said that we are going to keep testing out animators until we find one that you guys like. I mean, it's in there. He said that. Really, Luke? You're going to keep testing out stuff until you find something we like. You know what that tells me? That you have no idea what the consumer wants. You have no idea what great animations look like. You need to hear feedback from us after you've locked us in with non-refundable pre-order dollars on what's good. Go buy a Stern machine and see what good animations look like, Luke. Go buy a Jersey Jack machine and go see what good animations look like. I'm not against spooky. I'm just getting annoyed by this overwhelming transparency that is basically them admitting that they're not really sure what we want after they lock us in into a non-refundable situation. See, that's my problem with all of this is once you lock people in with a non-refundable deposit, just get it right then. Don't come back to me with excuses. Don't tell me that these are the best animations. Don't tell me how many clips you have. Get them in the game. How about you don't take any money on a game until you finish it next time? I'm really, really upset that Spooky did it this way. I'm sorry. Like, I've just lost patience in how they're doing it. This whole, like, let's build the ship in the ocean. Let's sell everybody a non-refundable ticket to a cabin on board this ship. And then when they see the ship might be taking on water, well, hey, guys, we're going to, like, find a shipbuilder next time. And, and we're going to, like, make sure that that shipbuilder meets your expectations next time. I'm so tired of that next time or if this game's going to get better down the road. I think a lot of people are getting fed up with it. And instead of talking every day, Luke, you don't have to respond to every single person who has every single issue with your game. You're, you guys are no longer this tiny boutique company. You have 1,750 customers. And it's not about daily responses. That's not what matters. Just sometimes it's best to go away and get the job done. Go away and hire good animators. Go away and internally know what people want. You're a company, Spooky. You're not a focus group. You're not building pinball machines to focus group how to make the next game good. 
that's what nobody wants. And that's what it feels like with these two games, that these two games are a focus group journey. How do we do this now that we've lost a lot of talent that made the previous games? That's how I'm beginning to read into this. And I think a lot of people are too. Canada Pinball, man. Are we going to win a fifth Twippy? Who knows? Who knows? I mean, it's Twippy season, but I will say, man, the Twippies, uh, we'll talk about it in a little bit. But let's talk quickly about Stern. We're going to see Rush Pinball any day now. And I think that's going to give all of us new stuff to talk about so we can move away from Spooky Pinball. We can move away from Haggis. We'll have a new game from Stern. Can you imagine how boring this hobby would be if there were not new games from Stern? I heard Zach Many talk about the possibility, and he, he laid out his case for this, the possibility of a Stern vault machine in 2022. And Zach, absolutely 1,000, 1 million percent. That makes total sense. And I think Stern Pinball saw that with Elvira. There is such an opportunity for Stern to go back to the well with games people want, make a very limited number of them, and in this market, charge insane amounts of money for the games, and they will sell immediately. Like, absolutely. The only thing I don't agree with Zach on is I don't think they're going to call them vault editions anymore. I think they're going to call them, like, anniversary editions or super limited editions because vault edition just means you're remaking the game. I don't think they're just going to remake them. I think they're going to make them a lot better. I think they're going to add more bells and whistles and shiny armor. And I think they're going to be super, super limited. So if they're super, super limited, call them an SLE, a super limited edition. And I think they're going to create an even higher tier of collectible. And it's going to be multiple SLEs because they haven't done a good job, Stern, of branding the top tier, right? We had SLE Batman. We had Signature Edition Elvira. We had 40th Anniversary Elvira. Like, they're all over the place. I've said it, and I've said it for years. Stern should just do a Platinum Series that's the top of the top. And the Platinum Series is just like 200 or 250 of every title they make. And they would sell every one, and they could charge 20 grand. And all these rich guys that are bored out of their mind that need to have Christmas morning happen every other week are going to buy them. I mean, that's who the audience is for these games. It's not for the pinball enthusiasts. It's not for the collector even. It's just for the guy that's got so much money, he wants to have the nicest version of something. And in pinball, there are more than 200 people out there that want to have the nicest version of every single game. Easy money for Stern. Easy money. All right, so we're going to get Rush Pinball. Rush Pinball will divide the community. People will love it. People will hate it. But I think for the most part, Rush is a snooze fest. If you went down the street and you asked most people, can you name three Marvel characters? They absolutely could. Go down the street and ask people, can you name three songs by Rush? And watch them just fall back and play dead. This is not that much of a mainstream band. It's not. And I don't care if like all we need is this many people to overlap with pinball. It's still a snooze fest. I don't want titles from a major manufacturer like Stern to be something that only appeals to a niche audience. That's not what Stern should be making. They should be making things that have a much broader and global audience. Remember, Stern is sending these pins all over the world. Rush does not have the mainstream, broad, global appeal as Ghostbusters, Star Wars, Jurassic Park, Godzilla. These things are all bigger globally than Rush. Like, go make a Rush documentary movie and see how empty that theater is. It'll just be Canadians inside there. 
All right. Well, if you think Rush was obscure, what about my rumor that Foo Fighters is coming out? I mean, Foo Fighters has more mainstream popularity than Rush, but I would argue that Foo Fighters is not as good as Rush. And I think actually think Foo Fighters is one of the most overrated bands of all time. I got to be honest. I went on Spotify. I listened to all their songs and man, like nothing. Like what mood would you be in to be like, I want to put on the Foo Fighters right now? I mean, come on. This band has like no edginess to it. Like just listen to Nirvana. All right, so we're going to get Rush, then we're going to get Venom, which is the comic book edition of Venom with Brian Eddy and Zombie Eddy. Can people stop wishing for the Eminem song inside the Venom game? It's a game based on the comic book. Stern is going the cheaper route. They are not going to pay to put an Eminem song in this game, okay, people? Get back to reality. Then what's next, right? What is next after Venom? Then we get to that TPF time of year. I think at TPF, we will most likely see maybe, maybe they will tease out the next game from American Pinball. We should see Cactus Canyons shipping by January, February. And then the big question becomes this. The number one game everyone really wants to see. I mean, even if you don't like the company, the number one game everyone really wants to see is Toy Story from Jersey Jack Pinball. A Jersey Jack game is needed now. I'm sort of bored of Guns N' Roses being the only thing we can talk about. I'm sort of bored that Jersey Jack once again can't even come close to getting two games out a year. It's not even like close anymore. Like where is it? Like what was the point of moving everything to Chicago? Having all of this extra room. You've got four designers and you can't even get two games out every 18 months. What's going on over there? Like what are those designers doing? They must be the most patient men in America. Now the other rumor I heard is that Steve Ritchie is going to be after the Pat Lawler title, then we're going to see Eric Minier's game. Now, I'm going to do what I do best, and I'm going to put out the rumors of what I hear that Steve Ritchie and Eric Minier are working on. I'm going to tell you right now, I think Ritchie might be taking the helm with Avatar or Matrix. Those are the two that I think Ritchie might be at the helm of. Now, I also think those games might have been in development before Steve Ritchie got there, and he might be putting the final touches on them, but I'm not sure, right? Does Jersey Jack strike you as a company that can go back? and make a lot of changes, go back and put final touches on stuff. I don't really see them as a company that can do that the way Stern does it, right? I think JJP, because they're so focused on one game, one designer, and you have to wait like two and a half years to get your game back on the line, I'm not really sure like they've got all these Whitewoods in development. I just They just don't strike me as that kind of company. But man, I would die to get a Toy Story. I'm dying to get a Toy Story so badly I did something unthinkable to so many of you. Because I want a Toy Story so badly, and it's a dream theme for me, and all I want now in my home are dream themes, I sold my Godzilla LE. And the reason I sold Godzilla LE is not because I don't like Godzilla LE. I think it's an amazing game. I think it is going to be game of the year. I think it might end up being the number one ranked game of all time. Can we talk about how Heist is number two? Come on. Robin, you can't have Heist Pinball be the second greatest pinball machine of all time on the top 100 because 26 people who own it voted for it. Get real with that voting metrics. You should not be allowed to be in the top 10 unless at least 200 people have voted for the game. All right, let's go on. So I sold my Godzilla LE for one reason. I will only own pinball machines from now on that are dream themes and are amazing games. 
And those two things have to happen. I'm sorry, but Medieval Madness is not a dream theme for me. I don't care how fun it is. I'm sorry, but Attack from Mars is not either. I'm sorry, but Monster Bash doesn't move me. Neither does Cactus Canyon. I enjoy those games tremendously, and I will play those games on location, at pinball shows, and at friends' houses. So, I'm sorry, but I don't need to own that. I don't love the theme. I want a pinball machine that when I walk by it, the theme moves me emotionally. That is the most important thing to me. After that, it has to be good, right? If Homepin made Akira, I probably wouldn't own it. But the first door I need to walk through is, is this a dream theme? And so people have been saying to me, well, now you're a hypocrite, Chris, because you sold Godzilla LE, but you kept your Ultraman order. And here's the other thing. There is now a very high probability that I will not be taking Ultraman, but I'm stuck with it right now. The reason I sold Godzilla right now, guess why I sold it right now? Because the market is hot and I got market value for it. And getting market value for Godzilla right now means the next pinball machine I buy, I will get at a 60% discount most likely, maybe more. So can you blame me? If my dream theme is Toy Story and Toy Story CE is 12.5, let's just say it's 12.5, I think it's gonna be more. That means by buying Godzilla LE and selling it, I will get Toy Story for basically 50% off. 50% off, not a bad deal, right? I will get a Toy Story CE for a cheaper price than a Stern Pro. This is why those of you out there that think this is such a deplorable thing, I mean, it's not. It actually helps us out when we realize that you can play the market and then cash your chips in when you find a dream theme. What's wrong with that? Like, what is wrong with that? So I sold my Godzilla LE number 500 to an amazing buyer, super nice guy in California, and he's building his pinball collection, and he was super excited to get the machine. He wasn't worried about the price. But this is where I am in pinball. I only will put dream themes in my home. Everything else I will enjoy in other locations. And that's just the way I'm going to do it moving forward. And it also frees me up. It's very liberating. I will say this. It is very liberating when you stop chasing every single new game. And I've heard from people who have listened to my show. And if there's anything that I'm glad I'm hearing people say, it's like, Chris, after listening to your show, I realize I've been in this cycle of contempt. I've been chasing after every single new game just because it's new. And when you stop and think about it, well, do I really want this game? Like, do I want an Avengers comic book edition? Am I a fan of Deadpool? Do I like Iron Maiden music? And even though the game might be great, and that, see, the thing is this, for many of you out there, that might be all that you need, right? You might just love the gameplay and the code and the callouts and the experience, and that's great, but that's just not enough for me. That's just not enough for me. I need it to be a dream theme as well. I'm just gonna be more selective because I have more expenses in my life there's less I want in my life. Is this, is this a weird thing? I know this goes against everything American marketers like myself are trying to convince you. But in life, you will be happier when you have less. It's, it's a weird concept. But when you have less stuff, less stuff to look after, less stuff to worry about, less stuff to lift the glass on, you will be happier. And I picture my future with Killian and Brenda and the world we're gonna live in, the world we're gonna create for ourselves, the environment we're gonna create for ourselves. It is not going to be some big house loaded with stuff. 
It's not going to be that. I am such a fan of more minimalism and zen and just having less clutter, okay? I don't want to walk into a room and have like 30 pinball machines. I don't I don't care how big the room is. I don't want a house that big. I don't want to be paying for that much space if I don't need that many rooms, right? I mean, I know that's the American thing, right? It's the, it's all about having so much more than you need. And when you have a kid, you realize just give me what I really need and let go of everything I don't really need. And the things I really need, I need experiences, I need time, more than anything in my life. If you were to ask me right now, I'm 45 years old and I'm staring at this beautiful baby every day and he's crawling all over the place and I'm staring at my beautiful wife who's working so hard to keep it all together and she's working way harder than I am to keep everything together. And I'm saying to myself, what do I need right now? What's going to make me happy in my life right now? And the last thing on that list is another pinball machine or a pinball machine in storage that I'll unbox years from now. That's not what I need. Do I need more clothes? No. Do I need another car? No. Do I need a bigger house? Yes, I do need that. But what I really need more than anything in my life is I need time. That is all I want this holiday. That is all I want for Christmas is time. I just want time back to have to spend with the people I love. That's it. And I can't get time if I buy another pinball machine. And the more toys we put into our homes and the more things we acquire, they take our time. And for some of us out there, like, yes, absolutely. Like your kids are grown. You've done your job. I'm at the beginning of parenthood. I'm just starting the parenthood journey in which you have no time, right? So I know this. And I know for many of you, you've been down this road. You've made those sacrifices. You've educated your kids. They're off to college or they're grown up enough where then you can fill your house with toys and pinball machines and spend the second half of your life just playing. And I can't wait to get there, but I'm not there. And so that's why I don't begrudge anyone who has like big collections and all these things because you might now have the time and the money, right? You need time and money in this hobby. You might now have the time and the money to enjoy your life and fill it with anything you want. You can put in any room of your house anything you want because you worked hard to get there. And that is amazing. And I don't begrudge that. I never will. But for me, that's not where I'm at. And so another reason why I did sell Godzilla was to free up the capital a little bit. I mean, it's the holidays. I don't get holiday bonuses. I've got people coming into town, family coming into town, and I want to have experiences. I want to have dinners. I want to go out. I want to spoil Brenda's sisters. I want to do stuff for family because I know the sacrifices they're making to get here. And that means more to me. And I mean this when I say this. I would rather take the money I made on Godzilla Profit and instead of rolling it over into Toy Story, just take that money that I made because I was in the right place at the right time on a pinball purchase and then spend that on paying for the hotel rooms for Brenda's sisters, their airline flights, and all the restaurants because they're bringing family together during the holiday. And that means more to me than Godzilla wizard mode and having a Godzilla pinball machine in which there's so many of them. There's going to be thousands of them. You're going to be able to play them everywhere. Come this time next year, no one's going to care about Godzilla. That's the dirty little truth nobody wants to admit is that a year later, everything's going to fall out of fashion in pinball. It's just what happens because there's so many new games. It doesn't mean Godzilla won't still be a great game. It's just you won't care as much. You'll be on to the next, on to the next. I mean, if you think any game right now, you know, the only game that will ultimately have long-lasting appeal for you 
will be dream themes or a game that plays like a dream. And for some of you, it's one or the other. For me, it needs to be both. Okay, everybody? Have a great December. Try to not work. Try to take time off. And again, spend that time with the family. Don't spend it being antisocial playing pinball. Later. Just call me. When you need a friend. Just call me.